1: This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers.
2: It is Holden with Vison. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And oh my god, do I have a big show for you today. We'll talk about the opening Super Bowl lines. We'll recap the AFC and NFC championship games. Recap my bets from both games. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett had a very very energetic press conference on Friday. The new Broncos head coach discuss some of the things I took out of that. Uh, He's going to call his own place which I really like there to be honest with you Uh, basketball the Rams CSU in action at Wyoming the border war continues. That's tonight the Nuggets look great. Uh, yesterday, uh, just blowing out the bucks. So, a lot to get to. And I'm going to give a little shout out to the Avs, too, because they are absolutely on a roll. But let's start with this Super Bowl lines in Los Angeles, where the Rams will be the quote unquote visiting team. Uh, I saw this at three and a half when it was posted, like two minutes after the game ended, after the NFC championship game ended. And then a minute later, it was four, and then it was four and a half, and it's settled in at four right now. Uh, So here's an interesting thing because the look ahead lines had the Rams minus four and a half against the Bengals. So again, it opened a point shallower and then it gets back up to that four and a half and back to four. So I wonder where this thing sits. Uh, Does it go down to three and a half? Does it go back to four and a half? I'm not sure uh, to tell you the truth at this point. We got two weeks to sit on this and marinate and continue to talk about it. My initial lean in the Super Bowl. The straight-up winner has covered the spread in 16 consecutive games. 16 consecutive games. So going into that, that is a trend. I mean, that's a trend where it's like, wow, the most important game of the season, the straight-up winner is covering. So no matter what the what that number is, you think the Bengals are going to win, you might as well take them on the money line at that point if you think they're going to cover. And if you think the Rams are going to win, Uh, They cover as well, so maybe the number doesn't matter as much to me. It does to me. It definitely does. And uh, that hook, we can see a close one. Then again, my buddy, uh, he's in Cincinnati. He's been picking the Bengals throughout these playoffs, and he told me it's not going to be good for the Bengals. This is going to be a blowout. So again, we got two weeks to figure this thing out. Bengals 13 and 7 against the spread this season. Heading into the Super Bowl, they have been the second most profitable team in the NFL. Uh, The Cowboys were number one. Goodbye, Cowboys. And then I think that looking at Cooper Cup props are going to be very interesting, and we're going to want to hit it on the open. I don't know when they're going to drop these props for Super Bowl week. I will be talking to my guys at Bet Rivers, so at least we know that number, so you'll get a little bit of an insight here if they'll give me uh, a timeline for that. But Cooper Cup, I think a touchdown there is going to be at minus money big time. He scored a touchdown in his last five and eight of nine. He is 16 and four to the over for his receiving yards prop. So I think that's one. The receiving yards in those 20 games, Cup has gone over 16 to 20 times. Uh, Underdogs have won eight of the last 12 Super Bowls. I have normally on underdogs. My initial lean is toward the Bengals. But again, when you have somebody very smart in your ear that has been following one team very closely all season long, has really been on the same side as you have throughout the playoffs, backing dogs, but then you get a big game like this, uh, I wouldn't call it concern, but definitely makes me want to dig in even more to this thing. I was already going to, but maybe play it out from both sides a little bit more than I would have had this individual been on the same side as me. All right, dogs covering so many playoff games. Bengals and Niners helped that, hit that Niners bet yesterday. Let's get into the conference championship bet recaps. Now, some of these bets were the ones that I gave out on the Sunday show on VEASAN, on the the mothership from 6 to 8 a.m. our time. You know, East Coast guys wake up a little bit later and get a chance to watch that. But we're Denver. We don't give a damn about the East Coast right now. Uh, Conference championship bet recaps here. Niners plus 3.5 again. Had the Rams number, did not take the Niners on the money line. But as I mentioned on that VEASAN show, uh, probably going to bet the bands, you know, one side or the other on the bands. So I bet it with um, zero to six points, okay? Zero to six points on the Niners side at plus big money. Back the Niners plus three and a half. They lose by a field goal. We win that one. It was a very profitable Niners game there. Uh, The first game was not very profitable. So I had to play catch up in the second half of the day. Uh, A prop I gave out here on this show Debo over 95 and a half rushing plus receiving. uh, He's just too good, man. He's he's just too good. He's too big a part of that offense. And nothing's easy, right? Nothing is easy. But Boy, he blew through it. Uh, 72 yards receiving. I, hold on, he didn't blow through it because he had 98. But 72 yards receiving, 26 yards rushing. He gets to 98, and we absolutely take the victory on that one. What else do we have here from the bet recap? So we got the Niners, we got Debo over, and we had Cam Akers under 63 and a half rushing yards. And I didn't know this until Sunday morning. That was one of the most bet props out there. It makes sense that it was because there was a lot of things working against Akers in this game. Uh, first of all, getting to 63, 64 yards, I should say, against that defense was going to be tough, very tough. Sony Michelle, a little bit involved in this game, but uh, for the most part, you face the Niners, you have a tough time rushing. And really, in the previous two games, uh, Akers had averaged 3.2 and 2 yards per carry, so... Uh, there's a reason why it was a very popular bet uh the losses really came in the early game the early game was not very kind to me with the exception no no the jamar chase prop totally didn't hit so there you go jamar chase prop which i had touted quite a bit on the show hey you'll get transparency here uh spagnolo did what a lot of us thought he might do was try and take chase out of the game the difference was i didn't think they'd be able to and ultimately they did. He got nine targets, he got six catches. He just didn't have the big explosive play of you know 30, 40 yards, which is what I was counting on in that one. His long was 22. So Debo Samuel uh, hits and Jamar Chase does not hit. The other one that hurt me from that game, uh, Burrow over 300 passing yards. I'm saying to myself, he goes into Kansas City, right? He goes into Kansas City. He's going to have to throw. There might be a a negative game script here. I did not have the side or the total in this game. I just went with props, and he threw for 250. 27-24, game went slightly under, and uh, he threw for 250. Very, very interesting, but big comeback there, and the Bengals and Joe Burrow are heading on to the Super Bowl. So after two slightly profitable weeks in the playoffs, This was a slightly negative week in the playoffs, losing three quarters of a unit. Again, they're not all going to be wins. So let's take a quick break. I'll come back. I want to give you my thoughts on Nathaniel Hackett because he had a lot of things to say at his introductory press conference. A lot of people loved what he had to say, and I'm going to be one of them. Now, do we remember what he says when things are all said and done? Because let's face it, in the world of head coaching, your lifespan is not that long uh, bill belichick is the exception so let's see how many years we can get out of hackett how much success we can get out of hackett and my response to what he had to say on friday this is the denver citycast presented by Bet rivers
1: being a homer has its perks at Bet river sportsbook Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet River Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet River Sportsbook app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700.
2: For more real-time, relevant sports betting news and information, listen to VEASAN in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. VEASAN, THE sports betting network, is on the air in Denver. Listen to relevant, real-time sports betting news and information on Denver's Altitude Sports 950. Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, Lombardi Line, My Guys in the Desert, The Nightcap, and much, much more from VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network on the Air in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. Welcome back, Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, Holding Kushner with you. And let's get into that Nathaniel Hackett press conference from Friday. It was really exciting uh, to watch because he has so much energy. And there hasn't been a lot to be excited about when it comes to the Broncos since about week what? Maybe 14 before the real slide began and we knew that Vic Fangio was that dead man walking. So uh, let's start with this George Payton started talking first and he said hiring Hackett had nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. So the general manager George Payton says hiring Nathaniel Hackett had nothing to do with getting Aaron Rodgers absolutely not he said let's face it in all honesty it probably gave Hackett a little bit of an edge into the interview process. How can it not, at least subconsciously? I'm not trying to be Freud over here, but I mean, you've got a chance to bring in the head coach that you like, and you've got a channel right to the quarterback that you want to bring in too. So that's interesting. And I want to get into that for a second because I didn't think there was a chance Aaron Rodgers was coming here. And I said this numerous times. And now Hackett is here. The Packers have no salary cap space for 2022. They're 46 almost 46 and a half million in the red. <laughs> That's not good. Uh the Broncos on the other hand have the sixth most cap space, $44.8 million. They got draft capital. They got the number 9 overall this year. We'll see what they have next year. They got two seconds and two in the third. So, let's just face it. With all these things adding up, it definitely did not hurt that Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers have a great relationship. But let's face it, the bottom line is this. He still had to go out and win the job. And the fact that he overwhelmed Peyton and the rest of the crew. Did you know that Joe Ellis, I know this makes a lot of people cringe, Joe Ellis and John Elway were still a part of this process. Nonetheless, let's hope Aaron Rodgers comes here because Nathaniel Hackett is not going to have a shot at the Super Bowl, not at what Broncos fans expect if they don't get that top-flight quarterback. Okay, so we move on to the next part of things. Um, as much as I like Hackett, again, no, win, no way he wins a Super Bowl without that, that top-shelf quarterback. And these guys know that, right? I mean, you can hand the ball off only so often. I think that if he was a head coach of the Broncos this past season – they probably win a couple of more games, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But let's continue here. I want to give a little more back story to Nathaniel Hackett. So just all, all week long, we're reading about Hackett possibly getting the job, and then we see him getting the job. And I had done some reading on him uh, once he was named as one of the contenders. I think I had him at plus 600 to start at the, the Kushner Sportsbook under the Bett Rivers umbrella. And then right beforehand, it was plus 125. I put him right behind uh, Dan Quinn. So here's a couple things. Um, (laughs) This is a great story from Connor Orr. So neurobiology is what Hackett was into in college. And he almost went into it. So one of the stories from Orr was they had to wrangle a cat that was, actually, it was a rat. That was genetically mutated to the size of a house cat. And he played a, a, a prank, apparently. Blood went everywhere, and everybody freaked out. And that was almost that that was the moment when he said, okay, this is this just isn't for me. They don't understand that. You know, he wanted to help sick people, okay? His grandmother, Sarah, she was a nurse. She traveled to Haiti in retirement to have a family planning clinic. Okay. These are just really good people, people that want to help and it was a full-service organization for women. So that's terrific. He helped, she helped people in Haiti, so it's in her blood. His father, obviously uh, a a longtime coordinator in the National Football League, but it seems as though he stopped pursuing uh, a neurobiology career because of a prank gone wrong. Interesting, interesting, interesting stuff. A Couple other things that I like from stories reading about him. Um, And really, in that press conference, he said he calls it the gold zone, not the red zone. It's the gold zone, not the red zone. Why? Why? Why did that happen? Well, the red zone, we know it's plays inside the 20-yard line of your opponents. Well, Hackett said he loved Austin Powers uh, and the villain in gold member, gold member. I love gold. I mean, that's a bad gold member impersonation, but they call it, So no more red zone here in Denver. It's the gold zone now. And there is a story where uh, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they hooked up on a play and everybody went into the end zone after the touchdown. They go, I love gold. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's just terrific stuff. Okay. Let's get to a quote from the presser. Get into some more of my thoughts on the hiring here what about the offense what is hackett going to do with the offense and this is what he had to say
3: about a minute worth of his thoughts from friday from a standpoint of how the offense is um, you know i think first and foremost any offense that you have it has to be maneuverable and and it has to be adjustable for whoever you have on your team because it's about finding out what your guys do the best, and being able to do that over and over again, and taking advantage of their skill sets. You want to have enough that you can do so many different things and adjust, because, I mean, heck, there's injuries. There's nothing you can do about that in football. That's just how it is, Um, and so you have to be able to, like I said, maneuver that, but I think the starting point is outside zone. Outside zone on offense is what you want to do, and you want to base that off a play pass. You want to make the defense cover the entire field, and you want to take shots down the field. I mean, let's all face it, that's what the people in the stands love. They love those bombs down the field. I remember watching John Elway throw the ball down, down the field to McCaffrey on all those boot fakes. I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, this is really where this system kind of evolved from and was created. And I, so you're always looking for that. And then mixing in that West Coast principle of the drop-back game. So that's how we'll kind of go about it. That's kind of a quick summary. So many fun things to talk about with the offense.
2: So I love it. You know, that's his thoughts on the offense. They're going to, you know, run the outside zone. They're going to have play action. They're going to have the West Coast offense. I don't know how much it really changes from what we have right now. Also cool seeing a picture of Hackett and Melvin Gordon hanging out uh, in the Broncos facility. I hope they bring him back. I really do. Uh, you need a really good running game. And as we saw in Green Bay, Aaron Jones is top shelf running back, but they drafted Uh, A.J. Dillon, very high. So it's the two system back. For those of you that want, you know, 30 touches a game for Pookie. I don't think it happens, personally. I I think that the way they handled Williams was very frustrating last year, but also the right way to do it. You don't need Pookie Williams, you know, with 350 touches in his rookie year. All right? So that's one thing. I like the thoughts about the offense. Um, You also had a very, very thorough A thorough search um, and a a thorough background check on this. There was 20 plus people interviewed by George Payton for this. You did have Joe Joe Ellis part of the committee. He didn't travel, but he watched every interview. John Elway also observed, reportedly talked to Payton every day about this. So Ellis and Elway still involved in this, but ultimately there was a five-person panel and Payton was the guy that made the final decision and it was right. So what do we have here? We have a good game plan in place. We have a coach that is very relatable to his players. We have a coach that will tailor an offense to his personnel, not the other way around. Although Aaron Rodgers, you know, did he really want to hand the ball off as much as he did in Green Bay? Maybe it did get a little bit boring for him, to be perfectly honest with you. Maybe boring is not the right the right word. Maybe it was just very, very repetitive. But... You know, ultimately, uh, he was very successful there, and he's going to win another MVP. And I don't think it was Hackett's fault. They got bounced from the playoffs. It just seemed like Aaron Rodgers was off, whether it was the cold or it got to a point again where in the playoffs, he only trusted Devontae Adams. It didn't look good, and you hope that that is not something that comes here with whoever the next quarterback is, that they have the trust in everybody. We thought that Rodgers had trust in Alan Lazard. Ends up that he didn't really trust him in the playoffs. Uh, So that was interesting to see. But here is my final thoughts on the Nathaniel Hackett hire, which I do believe is a good one. I'm just happy it wasn't Dan Quinn. I'm really not a Dan Quinn head coach guy. Uh, Great that he got him to the Super Bowl. Didn't accomplish much without uh, Kyle Shanahan. And the organization just completely tanked. After the 28-3 uh, Super Bowl, when they blew that lead, so I love the energy, I love the relatability, I love the optimism that Hackett brings to this organization. Uh, I love the fact that he's going to have an in-game manager to help with fourth down and challenge uh, challenge calls and analytical situations. You know, is it something that Fangio should have had earlier or a better? A better analytical guy or a better in-game manager? Absolutely. Uh, he was awful. It doesn't get much worse than Vic Fangio. Almost every coach should have one of these in-game managers. They don't. Not all of them have it. Uh, the Broncos probably, to me, win another two games with better in-game management. How many times did we see Ch- Fangio waste timeouts on challenges? How many times did we see Shermer up there call the wrong plays consistently? You know, how many times did we see Vic Fangio in situations where the numbers said, go for it? He was a little wishy-washy on that. So that, to me, very, very, very important point here that there's going to be an in-game manager. Um, He also mentioned that the special teams needs a boost. He knows the special teams is a disaster. That is something that hopefully he can clean up. Bring a head coach or bring a coach in here, a position coach in here, where you're not constantly giving games away. I really did. I sat down and I thought about this. In-game manager, somebody that's not as vanilla offensively. I really think it was a 9-8 and team. Now, ultimately, that wouldn't have been great because of worse draft pick. You just got to go through and suffer. But whatever this team was this past season uh, should have been better. Not a playoff team, not a great team, not a Super Bowl contender, but more mediocre than it was this past year. They were just bad. Ultimately, they're a bad football team, one of the 10 worst in the NFL. I think that they could have been a middle-of-the-pack guy with a guy like Hackett. And you think about that, you bring the right quarterback in here, all of a sudden, uh, we're talking about the Broncos being relevant in a division with Patrick Mahomes, relevant in a division with Justin Herbert, and relevant in a, a conference now where you see what the standard is. The standard is... You got to be better than the Chiefs of Mahomes. You got to be better now than Burrow with the Bengals. And you got to be better than Josh Allen and the Bills. You know, being the fourth team in the AFC, at least you got a chance to run through those three teams. But there's just three teams head and shoulders above everybody else. And they're having, hey, why would Aaron Rodgers want to go to a division or a conference where it's a lot tougher than the NFC? Because these are elite athletes who don't think like normal people. They don't say, well, the challenge is going to be a lot tougher in this conference. Aaron Rodgers probably looks at this and goes, okay, you know, we got some guys to take down. That's a great challenge. Let's go and let's go do that. Um, but, boy, the AFC is tough, man. The AFC is definitely tough. You're going to have to figure out a way to probably get through two of those three quarterbacks on, on, on your way to a Super Bowl going forward, probably getting way ahead of myself. But um, he also knows the division is tough. He ultimately knows he'll need a good to great quarterback to win a Super Bowl here and ultimately two thumbs up for the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett. Take a quick break. Got a lot of basketball to talk about. CSU monster game at Wyoming tonight. I'll have a bet from that one. The Nuggets are on fire as well. And if you're talking about teams that are hot, I got to mention the Avalanche. So we'll do all three next on the Denver CityCast Present it.
1: Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Welcome back to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Let's talk some hoops, a little bit of hockey here. My goodness, the Nuggets on fire. We've got the Avs on fire over there on the ice hockey side. But let's start with a big game tonight with the Rams of Colorado State visiting Wyoming. Huge showdown in the Mountain West. The Rams are 16-2, 6-2 in the Mountain West. Wyoming, 16-3 and 5-1 and and in the conference. So this will be for second place in the Mountain West. It's the Border War, round one in the Dome of Doom. I love, I love seeing it. Border War, round one, Dome of Doom. <laughs> it's going to be a whiteout up there in Laramie. Uh, this line is an interesting one. It actually flipped. Wyoming was a one and a half point favorite. Then I wake up this morning, they're a one and a half point dog at home. And the total is sitting at 144. This will be another live betting opportunity, but I do have a couple of bets where I'm going to uh, lay quarter unit down just to get in on this game. Okay? So I'm going to have a lot of fun watching this game, first of all. It's on FS1, going to be a blast. Wyoming, CSU, two sides don't like each other. This is great. Uh, Rams got blown out at home by UNLV on Friday, though. You want to talk about it, an absolute shocker. That blew my mind. I mean, this is the second time now it's happened to the Rams. They went to San Diego State. They got their butts kicked. There's really no excuse for getting your butt kicked at home to UNLV. I don't get it. I, I Again, watched a lot of that game, didn't understand where the Rams were coming for in, uh, from in this one. They just laid an egg, it's as simple as that. And they went a little bit cold from behind the arc. And maybe if they go cold beyond, behind the arc, they're gonna get their butts kicked a lot. <laughs> so maybe this is a better team to bet in game. But uh, Wyoming, they snuck past Air Force in their last game. Let's get into some of the numbers here. CSU, 19th in the country. An adjusted offensive efficiency, and fifth in effective field goal percentage. That tells a better, or anybody, that they're a really good team offensively. There will be some regression somewhere, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Wyoming, they're really good uh, offensively. 26th in adjusted offense, just behind CSU, 23rd in effective field goal percentage. So you've got Um, CSU with the edge there. You've also got Wyoming with an edge. They're a much bigger team, taller team. So Rams are going to have to be on fire from beyond the arc. Uh, Cowboys, slight edge in defense, 113. Adjusted defensive efficiency. Rams are 135. So, again, both teams um, above average defensively. Way above average offensively and very both top 10 uh, from the floor, two-point shooting. So you got that going for you. CSU, advantage at Ken Palm's ratings. They're 46th. Wyoming is 54th. These look to be two tournament teams. I think the Mountain West probably gets three teams in this year. And uh, the Cowboys are five spots higher in uh, net rating net rating that has a lot to do with your seating in the tournament. So Cowboys 34th CSU now 39th. Uh, this is a game boy, uh, the loser of this game is going to get hit uh, in that net ranking and they're going to have to make some things up to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, but this is the two best offenses. Okay. In the conference and two of the better offenses in the country, definitely from the mid-major point of view, uh, Wyoming, At home, they are on fire. They've won nine straight. They're going to have a huge height advantage. Um, The Rams three-point shooting, they're at 43%. We saw what happened against UNLV. They're not going to shoot 43% all year. Uh, Teams are actually shooting 29% from three against Wyoming this year. So you've got two things that are going to regress. The the Rams three-point shooting and then the Wyoming three-point defense. So we got two regressions here. How does that equal each other out? I'm not sure. We'll have to see when the game starts, but let's talk Wyoming real quick. Graham Ike, one of their forwards, about 20 points a game, nine rebounds. Hunter Maldonado is a guy, if you've been watching this rivalry for a while, he's uh, one of the stud guards over there at Wyoming, 18 and a half, six and a half assists, 5.7 rebounds. And those two big guys going up against our boy Roddy and Isaiah Stewart, who've had 35 and that game against UNLV, Roddy's going to have to be better. It's as simple as that. So what does all of this mean in the end? I'll tell you what it means. It means that it's odd so much money came in on CSU. And at this point, I'm going to back Wyoming at plus one. I'll take the home dog here just out of the value standpoint. And I do think that both these teams offensively are going to be able to keep up with each other over 144. So I'm going to get in. If you have a $100 unit, $25 on Wyoming, $25 on the over, and then I plan on saving a half a unit embedding this game live and going back and forth. I will see what happens. Like I said, if, if Wyoming gets out to a huge lead here, like we saw against UNLV, because Colorado State has not been playing well in the first half. They get off to a, a huge lead here. We back Colorado State. Uh, another thing to look at here in the second half, if Colorado State is down, let's go bet the second half because this has been a great second half team. As a matter of fact, you know, I haven't looked at the second half line since I woke up this morning. So let me go to bet rivers. Something I love at bet rivers too is how they have the uh, the hometown favorites and the number one hometown favorite today is Colorado State. At Wyoming. So it's very easy to find this game at the top. Second half, uh, Colorado State minus one at even money. You know what? Been waiting for this. This is that second half team. Um, and at the very least, I see this being a game where Colorado State is either in a neutral uh game script or down just a little bit. All right, we just did three quarter unit bets. I'm still using that half unit later on tonight. So here are the bets. Wyoming plus one and a half, Colorado State minus one at even money in the second half and the over at 144. Let's get into a little pro basketball, a little NBA here. Good job by the Nuggets. I've got a bet that I dug up late on Friday before the win over the Pelicans and it hit and I didn't bet it on Sunday. So check this out. The Nuggets race to 15 points. So the first team to score 15 points in any Nuggets game. Denver had done that in 12 straight games before the Bucks got their first last night. And it was like, four, what was it, maybe 14, 14. The Nuggets were right there and they lost that. That's something that I'm gonna probably go back to in the next game. Um, again, Nuggets race to 15 points. I'm not going to have a show on Tuesday, so if you want to keep this in mind, race to 15 points, take the Nuggets. Take the Nuggets, who have now hit in 12 of 13. Uh, the Nuggets just hammered the Bucks Sunday night. 136-100. They've won five straight games now. They've won 10 of 13, and it's just amazing how they're doing this with Jokic and a bunch of other dudes. But you know what? To call Aaron Gordon another dude and Will Barton another dude, that wasn't fair. But still, Jokic has done so much. And he only played three quarters. He had 18, 15, and nine. He he had another triple-double sitting right there. He had his 13th uh, triple-double of the season. Uh, Giannis had a good game. I I get it. Giannis had a nice game here. But Jokic just propelled his team to an embarrassment of Giannis's bucks. And I think this only boosts the stock of Jokic in the MVP race. I told you, I hit him at plus 650 earlier, and I just keep hearing this. The the reason why he's not more of a favorite, oh, they're not going to give it to him back to back. Giannis is there, Embiid is there, this and that and this and that. I don't want to hear it, man. And now look at the odds. This morning, Embiid plus 200, Jokic plus 300, Giannis plus 350, and Steph Curry at plus 400. So you're getting two to one on Embiid, 3-1 Three to one on Jokic, who again over the last couple of weeks has just improved his stock dramatically. Giannis three and a half to one, and Curry at four to one. I'm not placing a bet on this right now. I think it's going to be Embiid and Jokic, and if Embiid ends up getting hurt, there's going to be a lot of problems there uh, for Embiid, and that six to one for Jokic, six and a half to one for Jokic is going to end up hitting. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about: the bench scored 59 last night. Again, that was a blowout. But the fact that the bench actually had a nice night offensively, they scored 40 against New Orleans. I'm not saying that Bryn Forbes is the one that changed all of this. And, and DeMarcus Cousins just changed all this. I think Bones Highland, um, his energy, his production off the bench has really helped. And since the Forbes and, and Cousins additions, the bench has just really performed well. So again, that's my spiel on the Nuggets. Love what's going on with these guys right now. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to the Avalanche. The Avs have a 10-game winning streak. They're tied with Pittsburgh for the longest in the NHL this season. It's the second longest of all time. Way back in 1999, they had won 12 straight. So they're two away from tying the club record for consecutive wins. They've got a 16-point streak. They're 15-0-1. They had a loss in regulation since December 16th at Nashville. Are you kidding me? 16 point, point streak, 16 game point streak longest since the Cup winners, the 2000 2001 Avs. 18 game winning streak at home. What? They host the Coyotes tomorrow trying to make it 19 in a row. Are you kidding? They won 18 straight at home. Fifth longest NHL home win streak. And the longest since detroit did it back in 23 so the record is 23 five more they tie that 2011 12 red wings team for the longest of all time in the nhl and then lastly 31 games last 31 games avalanche 26 3 and 2. man i can't tell you this enough it's an amazing team it's the most talented team in the national hockey league doesn't mean they're gonna roll through and win the cup it is so tough to get there but this unit, this core, is going to win a cup sooner than later. If it doesn't happen this year, it doesn't happen. But they are playing as great a hockey as you're going to see any team in the National Hockey League play. And they host the Coyotes tomorrow night. I will be back on Wednesday. Hit me up on Twitter, at Holden Radio. Any betting questions or you just want to say hi or, or whatever it is, at Holden Radio is my Twitter handle. Again, plays tonight, Wyoming, plus one and a half on the game, over 144, and Colorado State to cover minus one and even money in the second half. Thanks to Steven, for, uh, our producer, for making this happen. Really appreciate that. And again, thank you for checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.